So Lisa and I are back at it this morning, and what we thought we would do is just take a moment, or more than just a moment, just take a little bit of time to uh, check back in with the congregation about how things have been going for me health-wise. And so Lisa has prepared a series of questions for me to answer. I do not know what these questions are, um, so I will be interested to hear what they are. And uh, I hope they will um, kind of illuminate sort of what's been going on with me and uh, um, just, you know, help people to kind of figure out or not figure out, but to just sort of um, feel a little bit more in the know about my situation. So first of all, I thought we'd just start if you could give us kind of the headlines of what's been happening since the last time we checked in. I know this summer has been kind of a roller coaster ride for you health wise. Um, where are things now? Yeah. So this summer. So the last time when we did sort of the journey take one, I had had um, the major surgery to remove all the visible signs of cancer. Um, and that had been very successful. Um, and I was healing from that and I was feeling really good. Um, and then, uh, yes, then I started chemo, uh, sort of a, towards the beginning of July, end of June, beginning of July. And my first round of chemo really went pretty badly. <laughs> I guess yeah. the best way to say it. Um, I ended up getting an infection in my, um, uh, my IP port, so the port that had been put into my abdomen, so that they could that they could deliver chemo directly to um, to my abdomen. I ended up getting a uh, an infection there, which landed me in the hospital for I think it was thirteen days. Like the official tally was thirteen days, Ooh. and I'm um, kind of getting that infection under control, and also getting that that port removed because it was sort of the site of the infection. And so that then kind of led to a period of sort of recovering from that and then getting started with chemo again. And in the process of the infection happening and having to get the, the port removed and starting chemo again, what I did is I switched my, um, I switched my sort of oncology team um, because I wasn't totally convinced that the first group of people necessarily <laughs> had handled the infection situation as well as they might have. And so I switched um, teams and now I'm really, I just, I love my doctors right now and I uh, just feel really good about, about how things are going. So I've done two additional uh, rounds of chemo. Um, I'm going to be doing six total. Then I have another sort of major surgery um, where they're going to kind of open me back up. Um, there's... Um, uh, one of the sort of quirks of my cancer diagnosis is that I was actually diagnosed with two different forms of cancer. Ugh. So the second form of cancer, which is a neuroendocrine cancer, is not as, it's a more of a low-grade cancer. It's not as concerning to the doctors. So the, in my second surgery, in addition to doing some biopsies to see how, how chemo is done with the ovarian cancer, they're going to be um, removing a little bit more um, tissue around the site of the neuroendocrine cancer to make sure that they've got totally negative margins there. After that, they will also be putting in a new port, a new port in my abdomen, and then I'll do what they call three rounds of consolidation chemo. And then I'll get the port removed and then I'll be done. Hopefully. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's a bit of a long timeline. I'm, I'm anticipating that I will be, I'm hoping that I will be done with everything by Easter, which is going to be, which will make Easter doubly symbolic to me this year. 
That's a great goal. I I really kind of love that timing. <laughs> yeah, so do I. <laughs> so do I. Yeah, it's definitely going to bring a new meaning to the Easter season for me. No um, kidding. And for us you know, too. That be done. Yeah. What what a long and winding road unfortunately so far, but I'm it sounds like we've turned something of a corner. Um, yes. And we're on a different trajectory. And it sounds like that's much better now. Yes. Yeah. You know, I was just talking with Michael this morning. One of the things that really is marking my experience now is how much I trust, especially my my main, the surgical oncologist, mm-hmm. um, sort of my main point person. Uh, I just really trust his expertise. He's got this wonderful bedside manner and he just he just has a great spirit. So that's been, I mean, it's just, I'm glad to get to know him. (laughs) I'm not glad for the circumstances in which I'm getting to know him, but I'm glad to get to know him as a person. That's great. You know, it's so funny, like when you go through difficult times like this, there can be those surprise little blessings in there. Like you meet extraordinary people that you wouldn't have met otherwise. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say, when I was in John Muir, um, the hospital in uh, Walnut Creek's John Muir, I was so impressed with the nurses and just with with the phlebotomist that would come by. There was a phlebotomist named Michael who would come by and do my blood draw every morning, essentially. I mean, there were a couple of days when he was he was he wasn't working that day. And I would say to him, like, you are like the best phlebotomist ever because he just would come in and he would it would be so painless and we really got a chance to kind of get to know each other. And when he heard that I was getting out, he congratulated me, was really happy for me. Oh. And, you know, that made a huge difference because with COVID-19, you know, Michael couldn't be there. It's yeah. not like family could fly out and spend time with me at the bedside. I really was so dependent on the the folks at John Muir, the, the nursing staff, the people, the nursing assistant staff, and they were really wonderful. Yeah. You know, I hadn't really thought about that, but 13 days without being able to see the people in your daily life, that's really hard on top of all the health stuff going on. Yeah, absolutely. And I, the way I describe what the sort of shape that I was in when I got back home is, and I, you've heard me say this, but I really felt shattered by the experience. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd been in a lot of pain for the 13 days I was still in pain, um, had been very isolated, um, and just hadn't been sleeping well because of course, you know, I was being woken up and, Mm -hmm. you know, there was noise in the, in the, in the unit. It was nobody's fault. It just was, you know, what was, what was going on there. And by the time I got back home, I was so worn out. Um, Mm -hmm. and so Michael said my nerves were just, (laughs) were just like live wires. You know, he compared me to uh, a little egg, you know, I just was (laughs) very, um, my shell was extremely thin. Now I, I, I bounced back from that really quickly, but yeah, it was, it was a tough, it was a very tough experience for sure. Oh boy. So can I ask, where have you been finding God in this experience this summer? You know, that's a really good question. Um, because I definitely had that experience that I think people people do experience when you're in a lot of pain and there's not going to be in the short term, like in the next 20 minutes or an hour, uh, you know, that situation isn't going to change. You know what I mean? It's just because 
you have an infection that is really that problematic. And, you know, short of them, like, <laughs> you know, pumping you full of morphine, there's only so much they can do, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had that experience where, you know, you pray and you're just you're just praying so hard that um, that you would not be experiencing the pain mm-hmm. and having to sort of accept that um, that the answer to those prayers were, was not it wasn't going to be this instantaneous thing, you know, that it was going to be an experience much more like you find in the Psalms where it would really be experienced almost like a Psalm of lament, you know, Mm -hmm. like, God, where are you? Um, So I definitely, there was definitely that side of the experience. Um, But then there was just the kind, what I describe as the experience that you have when you really encounter the kindness of strangers. And you Mm. really, like there was one nurse in particular, I had to have a, um, uh, I had to have a procedure done when I was in the hospital that was very, very painful. And um, there was a nurse who offered me her hand mm. to grip. And I just thought it was just such a remarkable thing, you know, um, because that must have been very painful for her. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but, you know, but it was such a generous act, you know, because yeah. I was really just struggling and to have that that human being reach out to me and be willing to, you know, have me sort of spasmodically grip onto her hands, you know, and, you know, all that that kind of entails, like crumpling the bones and things like that. That was really meaningful to me. So I think, you know, I've, I've had experiences of really wondering where God is and then experiences of God showing up in the guise of just the kindness of people who, who didn't need to be kind, you know, who could have just gone about their business, but, but chose instead to really be present with me in a, in a very comforting way. Mm. And sometimes it really is those little things, you know, just a hand to hold, um, a small act of kindness. It, it's a good reminder that those little things can really make a big difference for somebody. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there were so many, um, there were so many times that, um, you know, and I just, and I, I would appreciate it, so, you know, because I was up a lot, I would listen to them interacting with other people on the unit. And I would just be, and I, w- I said this to a couple of them, I just was so impressed with mm. the graceful way that they handled some of the more difficult patients. Um, and just their, their patience, you know, their patience with people and their, their compassion for people. I was just very, very impressed with that. And there you are ministering back to them with those kind words. Yeah. Yeah. Michael was joking with me. He's like, are you trying to be the most popular patient? You know, cause he, <laughs> cause he, he would hear, like, he'd be talking with me and somebody would come in and I would say, I would say, you know, to Michael in front of them, like, Michael is the best phlebotomist that I've ever <laughs> Michael was like, do you think this is a patient popularity contest that you're, you know, that you're determined to win? But I just, I really did. I just appreciated so much um, what people were doing. And I also recognized that, you know, with some of the other patients in the unit, people who were struggling more or differently for myself, that they weren't necessarily getting that appreciation. So yeah, Yeah. I did feel a little called to, uh, you know, um, let them know how much, you know, how much they're kindness and care for me really meant to me. Well, and as healthcare workers with COVID-19, their job is that much harder right now. So, you know, those words of kindness go that much farther. 
Exactly. Exactly. So I been thinking about our um, Shalom project for this year, and we're starting out in September with Shalom of the Body. And I'm wondering if there's been any connection for you with what you've been experiencing physically these last few months and thinking about Shalom of the Body um, as a theme for our church for this month. Absolutely. You know, um, you know, Michael and I, again, talking this morning, you know, because I was trying to sort of anticipate what questions you were going to ask me. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that Michael Michael asked me is he said, what do you think is really helping you through this time? Mm. You know, and I said, you know, on the one hand, I think it's really helps me that I trust my doctors. I really trust them. I said, I think the other thing that's really helped me is, you know, this sort of my mentor in all of this her emphasis on taking it a day at a time. That has really helped me. Mm. I would say the other thing that has really helped me is, um, is just the way I've changed, how I've changed taking care of myself. You know, I've always been of, of my physical body, you know, I've always been a pretty darn healthy person. Mm-hmm. I was an athlete growing up, you know, I've swum, you know, I've, I've swum as a mass, I've been a master's swimmer, Um, you know, there was times in my life as an adult where I coached, you know, cross country and track and I ran with the kids and, you know, I've just been, I've been a person who really took my health for granted and got into some habits that weren't really, that, that weren't really conducive to my body's being well. Mm. Like I was saying to Michael, it's like, Classic Johanna in the past would have been to go to swim practice in the morning and then immediately go to go through the drive through at McDonald's and get a bacon <laughs> cheese and bacon or, a, you know, an egg bacon cheese biscuit. You know what I mean? Like, or to, you know, be going to practices and be working out, but then not to get any of the annual screenings done because, mm. you know, hey, I was at practice. I felt good. You know, why would I do that? Now I just, I really understand the fragility of the human body, of of my human body, of my Mm -hmm. body. And I have so much more, I would say, almost compassion for it. And, you know, I'm eating differently now. I'm being careful about sleep. You know, I'm exercising differently. I'm really doing things to build up my body and strengthen my body in ways that I just didn't in the past. And I, I think if there was one thing that I could sort of, that I would sort of advise people to do is to, is to not kind of blow off the physical aspect of the self, but to really, um, to be kind to that aspect of the self, to compa- have compassion and to, and to take care of that, of that aspect of the self. And I think, you know, that's something that's really changed for me in the last, you know, three months or four months. You know, I I think that's such a good reminder, because I think a lot of times we can fall into the trap of thinking of our bodies as less important than our spirits in some ways. Yeah. Um, You know, because our bodies are are temporal and our spirits are not. Um, And I think sometimes we can think of the body as something that needs to be regulated and whipped into shape. Right. Um, And so we can take a rather harsh view of our bodies. Um, But at the end of the day, it really is more about like gentleness and and tender care and more about like nurturing the body. Yes. And that's I think I think that's 
a really big change. And part of the Mm -hmm. reason why during this time, you know, I have my dark moments, you know, but during this time, I feel a sort of day to day, I feel a kind of quiet confidence because Mm -hmm. I know that now I am taking care of myself differently. Mm -hmm. So that in addition to that sense of taking things day by day, which has really reduced my stress, (laughs) my stress level is that's really changed my stress. Like, you know, that attitude towards life has made a huge difference in just my tendency to worry about things, to worry about the future or to ruminate about the past. And then, you know, in addition, as I said, also just the necessity and the importance of really trusting your medical team, you know? Yeah. And I think that's such a good thing to think about right now as we're thinking about journeys um, in September that journeys leave you changed. You're not going to be the same person when you get to the destination that you were when you started out. And that can be a really good thing. It can be a really hard thing, but it can be a really good thing too. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly right. And that reminds me of a conversation that I had the last time I saw Dr. Adraki, my, you know, sort of my, my main, um, my main doctor, you know, I don't know, I don't know the the (laughs) team leader. I don't know the best way to, to put it, but, you know, I was talking with him and, and, you know, I was saying, you know, what are things that you tell your patients who find themselves in the situation, which I find myself, that you see as things that are important for them to keep in mind, um, you know, as they're being treated for this, for this illness. And, you know, he said, you know, we've talked about being vegan, we've talked about not drinking, you know, and, you know, so those are two things that have, have changed for me, you know, but the other thing he said is, you know, a positive, hopeful, optimistic outlook is important, but you also need to recognize that this is a period of growth, that this is a time mm. when you will be encountering or you'll you'll be thinking about your mortality. You know, there are going to be serious thoughts that you have and there are going to be times of sadness. And he said, I think it's really important to find that balance between the hope, the optimism, the positivity and really allowing this to be a growth experience where you do plumb some of the depths of the human experience. And I thought that was really amazing advice coming from a doctor, you know, um, as he was like working on my wound, you know, (laughs) Um, know, he was trying to distract me apparently and it worked. But um, I really thought that that was very important, you know, to see that this experience is you know, come what may, it is also, among other things, going to be a growth experience. And it's going to be a growth experience to the degree or will be a growth experience to the degree that I am willing to really sit with it mm-hmm. in all of its different aspects mm-hmm. and to and to meditate on it and to not just sort of deny it or disassociate from it. Yeah. And I think that's a really hopeful perspective to look at this as a time of growth, because growth means that there's something happening afterwards that, you know, you're growing towards something. Um, The changes that are happening now are necessary for what's coming next which yep. means there's something that's coming next. <laughs> we're, we're not, right. we're not on the road to the end. We're on the road to something else. Right. Right. No. And I think, you know, 
there's sort of two things from Calvin's theology that have been really on my mind during this whole process. You know, the first thing is Calvin's idea that there's a whole sort of set of questions that human beings are not capable of answering. So don't waste time on them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and among those questions is the question of why me? Like, mm-hmm. why am I, why, why has this happened to me? I mean, his, his thing is like, you really can't know why one person, why something happens to one person as opposed to another. It's just, it's very rare that there's that kind of, you can have that kind of clarity. So don't worry about it. Instead, focus on what is it going to take for you to live the experience with, you know, confidence, courage, you know, Mm -hmm. and a sense of closeness to God. So that I think has been really important to me. The other thing that's been really important to me is his idea that the world God gives us the world both as an invitation to come into relationship with God, but also as basically like a massive pedagogical instrument. (laughs) (laughs) It's basically, it's like the world, you know, Calvin talks about the world, you know, as a school, you Mm. know, it's a school for our souls. It's a school for our, our characters. You know, it's, it's, there isn't a day that goes by, um, that we are not able, that we are not being given opportunities to learn something. And I've been thinking a lot about both of those two aspects of Calvin's theology, because I think they really helped me on the one hand, not to sort of beat myself up as to why this is happening to me. Mm -hmm. While at the same time, really focusing myself again in the moment on what am I learning here? And what does the tradition have to teach me that will, that will help me to, you know, to meet this circumstance with that courage and with that sense of assurance and things along those lines. Yeah. So I, I, I know, you know, whenever I get the chance, I bring Calvin into things. <laughs> that's just what I do. But, um, but he's yeah, not wrong been, about this. <laughs> those are, those are, those are really things, aspects of his theology that have really resonated with me during this time. That's awesome. Is there anything that I haven't asked you yet that you'd like to share with us or that you were expecting and I just didn't go there? You know, I think, um, you know, that's a really good question. Uh, actually, I think Michael and I did a pretty good job of anticipating the question you were going to ask. <laughs> I'm like, woo, you know. Um, <laughs> I think one of the things that um, that I have found in my experience of this is I think the love that you have for other people Mm. and the experience that you have of being loved by other people is a tremendously powerful aspect of this experience. You know, my sister and I talk on the phone, I would say every day now, you know, and we really have rediscovered, we've always been close. Um, you know, my, my sort of the three older siblings in my family, we were all born within two years and seven months of each other. And we, oh, wow. we have always been close. But there's something now about just the way that my sister and I interact. And my brother has been wonderful about calling I me. Mean, he calls me every few days, you know, and mm-hmm. really touches base. That has really enabled me to experience the reality of their love in in a way that I hadn't been, just wasn't coming at me with the same kind of poignancy. And likewise, 
you know, Michael has really had to step up as my caregiver during this time. And the richness of that relationship, the sense of connection that we have, um, these things have been just, I'm so much more aware and grateful and um, just in the moment with the people in my lives now. And I think that is clearly one of the consequences of this diagnosis and what it is that I'm going through. And I, I think that's, I don't know if other people, I hope other people have that experience, but that's been a huge source of strength for me. Just really, Mm -hmm. you know, feeling, understanding the depths of my love for my husband, for my family, for my friends, and also really understanding and feeling the depths of their love for me, Mm. you know? And I think that's been, that's, I don't want to say a revelation. Maybe that's a little bit too strong, but it's been something that has been tremendously moving to me. I love that. I'm so glad for that for you. And kudos to Michael for all the ways that he has had to step up these last few months. Yes. Yes. And we definitely appreciate everybody's prayers and we appreciate people's prayers for him because, you know, it's, it's, it's exhausting being someone's caregiver, you know, and I think especially during COVID-19, because some of the ways that you, so there's times when you want to be a caregiver and you can't. Mm -hmm. And then there's times when, you know, maybe you're tired of being a caregiver, but you really are needed. You know, you've got to keep, you know, um, kind of keep going, you know, and you've got to, you know, he has his own fears in this situation and his own moments of angst. And I think, you know, he says to me occasionally, well, I don't really want to complain about that because of what you're going through. And I'll say, no, 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 you really need to, you know, I want to hear about what's going on with you, but I I can understand why he says that as well. You Mm -hmm. know, and I understand, you know, sort of almost feeling like, you know, Johanna's situation trumps anything that could be going on with me. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so he, we both appreciate people's prayers and, you know, especially I appreciate people's prayers for him as well. Yeah. Well, you've both got them for sure. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. So thank you so much again, Lisa, for, as always, for doing this with me. Oh, you bet. And I really hope that uh, this podcast can be a source of comfort and strength for maybe people in the congregation who are going through similar experiences. Um, and if people have been really worried about me and wondering if I'm doing okay, I hope this um, puts them at ease to hear my voice and to, to know that, you know, that things are going well. And, um, you know, even chemo, I have two sort of bad days after chemo day, I think it's day three and four when I'm really tired. But other than that, it's been going really well. You know, fingers crossed. Two days every three weeks, we can live with that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. So uh, I'm, we're going to sign off, but we, as always, we wish people health and happiness and um, just uh, we look forward to, um, to coming up with another program for next week. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>